Welcome to Upholding Matters, a podcast devoted to talking about what matters. Now, I was raised to believe that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were things that mattered. And certainly they are the unalienable rights that Jefferson wrote about in the Declaration of Independence. We will talk about how to uphold them, how they hold us up, and why that matters. Welcome to Upholding Matters. I'm your host, David Paul. This is our 12th show, and we are coming off the 4th of July celebration. It was a midweek adventure this year. And I have to tell you, it's it's somewhat like being thrown a curveball, maybe more accurately, like getting beamed with a fastball. I can't put it into words, but the general malaise, the wood, the world unraveling dissociative disorder, I've realized comes down sometimes to a very personal level, not including the national trend that has so many people ill at ease. So let me see if I can walk through some of this stuff. We have a lot in the news, but the pitch that smacked upside my head the proverbial head is the death of a friend that was completely unexpected. And, um, you know, July the 3rd, the day before the 4th of July, in 1976, was a bicentennial uh, celebration, our nation's 200th anniversary. And the day before that, on the 3rd, my grandpa died. And it wasn't unexpected. He had cancer from smoking for nearly 50 years. But it was still a very sad time in light of this joyous national event. So it put a contrast in, to be sure. And this is what happened this time. On the 2nd of July, I found out that my friend Jack, and by the way, we'll just dedicate this to Jack this show I found out he had been shot by his common law wife murdered shot in the back of the head twice as he walked out the door to go to work I don't even know if he ever saw it coming but I know the woman who did it and it's very confusing because it's not that couples don't have problems and certainly I heard enough from Jack about his problems. I always didn't, never minded listening. It almost made my life seem more normal. But I never expected that something like that could happen. So it, it's it's very uh, complex. I spoke about compassion. It's hard for me at this point to figure out how I could forgive but we need to go on. We need to forgive for ourselves. And if it's not as to give as before, it can be that we can get past it in a way that 
lets us live in peace. So there is a lot to make peace with in our local news. It's recently come down to the uh, EPA administrator, uh, Scott Pruitt, who was under 13 different ethics investigations or something in the Capitol, whistleblowers talking about just, you have to look it up. But what he did with dismantling regulations now, I heard a survey today that said that they asked people, do you think America has too many regulations? Would you like to see regulations reduced? And everybody almost agrees with that. But if you ask them, would you like to see more lead in your water and more poison in your air? No one is really going to say yes to that. So you have this guy, Scott Pruitt, who cozies up to lobbyists, employs lobbyists, cuts all these regulations and spends extravagantly on things that are just outright insulting. He's finally gone. So uphold one for liberty. Except it's possible the next guy will be more unfriendly to the environment. A person who does not believe in the validity of climate change. And I can tell you, if you don't believe it, I would probably not even want to know why. I mean, the polar ice caps are melting and that's going to do some stuff. So it's not like nothing is happening. I don't know how you can just deny that. But then again, I talked last time about the chance that we'll detonate nuclear weapons in the atmosphere to cause a nuclear winter to save us from the overheating and the melting. Who knows what will happen? A lot of times these things, mistakes, give way to progress and hope. And that's really what I rely on. We can take these things and make them better, learn from them, and build a better world. Or not. Okay, here's something that's fun, and I'm being sarcastic. The trade wars have begun. Tariffs are being levied on both sides, and we're against the Chinese and our allies and everyone else in the world. We'll see how this all shakes out, but we talked about the shaky nature of China's economy, and all these things have repercussions that you can't, you know, sometimes see if you don't look deeper or contemplate the range of possibilities. For instance, okay, great. We have a trade war and we break the economic backs of countries that are holding on less tightly than we are. And we're again a supreme economic force in the world. And somehow that wipes out our $20 trillion debt and we benefit and we help the world. Oh, I'm getting crazy again. 
because we can't operate in a world without trading partners. So, you know, and I think about this from time to time, you look at people who, some of the social help that people get, the food assistance and other medical things, and these are not, there's a lot with immigration now. So we're talking about money that goes to people who aren't really Americans. And we cannot deny that there are Americans that need assistance. So it's a big country and we do our best and hopefully these things are addressed. But my point was that we certainly just can't let people starve or go without food. The discontent would be crazy. The cost of revolt would be much more than the food costs. So what are we to do? Now, when I think about it, I operate under certain assumptions. And one is that if we get to the future, if humanity gets to the future that I look forward to, a place where all these great inventions are put to use and people share and there's no want and we get to pursue life, liberty, and happiness in ways that we've never been able to do before and people live longer and we learn how to love better and have more enriching relationships and the planet is healthy and it's been revitalized and we create with our own intention the Garden of Eden setting that should be able to be achieved. And and my point is that if we can't get there, we don't survive. That's my premise. So even imagining we get to the future means that we work things out now or in between that time, and we've found ways to live together rather than kill each other. Now, this weekend, in I'll chalk it up to some patriotism in the 4th of July, but I watched a comparison between our new Ford-class nuclear aircraft carriers and the Soviet ship, and the Chinese are also trying to dominate, you know, get a naval presence out there and be more in, in the world's oceans. Russia, that's why they took Crimea. They need a port, a, a port that doesn't freeze to even have a navy. So, and I certainly do, but their carriers are not as advanced as ours. And I took some pride in that, you know, You'd think that, well, maybe we don't want to feed the war machine, but in a way it does certainly keep us safe. And because of our constant service in this area over 70 years or more, we're in our fifth generation of aircraft carriers with dual nuclear engines and I mean it's really incredible the way they launch the things they're not um, jerked into space on some gas turbines that build up pressure and wreck the aircraft they're on a electric launch system magnetic that propels the plane gradually 
you know, brings it up to speed gradually so that there's not that violent jerk when you take off. And it's all state-of-the-art and modern. And the poor Chinese and Russians, they're way back. They have to put little swoops on the front of their aircraft carriers to even get their planes in the air. So when you add the weak economy of the Chinese and the Russia doesn't have a lot of people. It doesn't have a lot of people the age that can really populate the military, uh, a good pool. America, because it's the diversity in population, has great prospects to put people in these jobs. And you add all these things up, and then you realize that we really can't have war because... China or Russia is not going to let us beat them conventionally and say, okay, that's why they have the nuclear weapons. So then why are we spending so much on these other forces? Maybe it's because if they whoop us conventionally, we'd have to blow them up. Aren't these times confusing? I really want to get to a place where It's that future I talked about before. So the question always is, how do we get it right? You may have heard might makes right. So that's what I thought about the other day when I watched a documentary about the Romans uh, and the final conquest of Judea when they took the fortress Masada. And it was really incredible when you look at how they did it. And it just shows that with enough determination and manpower, you can do seemingly impossible things. But the whole point was that they were, the Romans, determined to crush this resistance. And that fortress was just a natural, you know, impregnable force that If you look at it, you go, yeah, I guess not. It is pretty impressive on this high plateau that has one little windy road to get up to the top, and you just don't march up there and take it. But this is what the Romans did, and they were pretty enterprising. You know, the Roman army... They were almost like engineers, and they built camps and roads and pontoon bridges to cross rivers. Uh, They were pretty well equipped in all forms of support as well as making war. So if you look at some of the aerial maps, you can see that on one side of this huge plateau is a dip Uh, the ground comes up and then there's a hollowed out part 
that goes up to the wall, the main wall of the fort that rises from there probably 150 feet with a gully below. So what the Romans did over time was just bring in dirt, fill that thing in. And if you look at the massive amount of effort that went into building this ramp up, and then they rolled a siege tower up there and battered down the walls. Of course, when they got in, everyone was dead. They had all committed suicide in the end of it, but they held out for quite a while. But now, does might make right? Were the Romans right to put down these rebels as they saw them? Or were the Jewish holdouts in the right in trying to hold on to their little piece of the earth? Well, it's history, as they say. But it just goes to show you that I think with enough determination, you can solve just about any problem. Now, what else is in the news? We have Robert Mueller, the investigation into Donald Trump. And it's getting closer to a finish. I feel this and I glean it from all the other commentators that I listen to. It's, uh, it's all kind of coming together. We were right in the middle of a court date for giving kids back to their parents. The judge that ordered that they had to be returned, the young ones, within 14 days. So we're going to see what that is. And on top of that, we have the Supreme Court pick being pushed through. Now, do you remember how Congress has really low poll numbers and it is embarrassing sometimes. I've often talked about a third party and getting that involved so that we could break up this two-sided cluster mess that is our two-party system. There's all this doublespeak about pushing the election. They wouldn't let Barack Obama even nominate, uh, get his justice a hearing and so now they're saying that there's no reason to wait even until this next coming election the republicans are because it's not the same thing as what they did to obama holding up his pick clearly just to gain some advantage in the end it's the nature of our politic i guess but now you know, the double speak, the hypocrisy of saying one thing. It's so nice that we have this film. We can see them say one thing about these kinds of votes and uh, blocking a judge. And then the same people talk about why they're now doing it in there in the right. And I guess there's a level of belief. They they believe it somehow. They find a way to split the subtle hairs and make this case different. And there are cases to be made on both sides. Very interesting arguments I've heard. But 
we'll see. You know, sometimes when they put a justice in there, I mean, it's really a unique position, a permanent spot on the Supreme Court of the United States. And you would think that that would free someone up to make their best independent decision. So you might hire them thinking they'll be one way and they could see the light or to see things differently you couldn't have imagined. And it works out. We do have to protect certain things, uh, women's health care, the reproductive rights. These things must be protected. And life shouldn't be made any more difficult for anybody, including these poor children. Let's get those kids home. You know, I think about, well, all the other places in the world, they try and put the best face forward. And when in reality, you take a closer look and you find that no, we, we, were, we were doing pretty good here. God bless America. We're doing good, and we have to lead, and we have to uphold our values. So with all this sideshow behavior from our current administration, I just want us all to remember, as I walk my way out of this show, that America is not a sideshow. This administration is a sideshow. But America is a great country that we're going to keep fighting for. Happy Fourth of July, my friends. Uphold, uphold well. I'd like to close this show by talking about my friend Jack. Friendship is an amazing thing, and I just got so lucky. I found this quote. It's unattributed. It says, get to know two things about a man, how he earns his money and how he spends it, and you have a clue to his character, for you have a searchlight that shows up the innermost recesses of his soul, you know all that you need to know about his standards, his motives, his driving desires, his religion. Jack understood friendship. I, I have to tell you that I came to him almost 20 years ago with a problem as a mechanic. You always wonder if you'll be treated fairly. And he did. And he continued to do that through the years, keeping my car on the road in his shop at a greatly reduced price from what a dealer would charge and our friendship grew and in the end it got to be where Jack wouldn't even take my money for working I had to pay parts and it greatly helped me and I tried all I could to reciprocate and but his friendship was valuable and we knew that I, I think back to the Kwai Chain Kane episode I talked about once in this podcast about how he asked about how we can love those we've only known for a short while. 
And the master told him, the soul does not keep time. It merely records growth. Certainly, I had a bond with Jack from the beginning. It grew. And you can watch the city of Lancaster, California's uh, webpage, Stream the Healthy uh, Communities Commission meeting from July 3rd. 2018 when I talk about Jack and what friendship is but the binding of souls and friendship is life's most precious gift and the amazing thing to me is it's free it's really undescribable and it endures through time good night my friend Jack I will miss you